On this episode of the Breaking the Game Show, Austin and I are joined by former Arkansas Razorback great and eight-year NBA veteran Ronnie Brewer Jr. And we're just going to talk about his time in Arkansas. We're going to talk about his time in the NBA and just a little bit about what he's up to now. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Break in the Game show. I am Stephen Gillespie, and joining me is my co-host, Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Stephen? we got a pretty exciting show today. I'm pretty... can't wait. Let's let's get to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got a very special guest joining us today. He's an eight-year NBA vet, NBA vet, played for the Jazz, Bulls, Knicks, Grizzlies, Thunder, and Rockets, the son of the famous Ron Brewer who also played in the NBA for eight years. He was the 14th pick in the 06 NBA draft, a two-time All-SEC player and a SEC All-Freshman. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronnie Brewer. Ronnie, how's it going, man? I'm good. How are y'all? Life's good, man. Just uh, enjoying the NBA season. It's been a little weird, but um, overall, just enjoying it. How about you, man? Pretty good. Um, you know, I, as well, enjoying the NBA season and – uh, just trying to stay as healthy and safe as we possibly can. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching now and just trying to get through the season. Um, we've, we've got three games left before our conference tournament and then our state tournament. So um, trying to go let that go smoothly and without any hiccups. So it's been going pretty good. Well, there you go. How's your team doing this year? Pretty good. Um, we are actually currently in second place. Um, nice. We're behind the the. Uh, Benville Tigers. We just played them on Friday, lost to them by two. Um, it went down to the buzzer. Uh, ended up getting a, a charge call at the buzzer oh. that went, you know, went didn't go our way. But you know, uh, they're the number one team in the state, and you know, we got to be proud how our guys competed and, and and they left it all on the floor. So, trying to bounce back Friday against a really good Springdale uh, Bulldogs basketball team, and that's our crosstown rival. So, I'm looking forward to getting back to action. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Awesome, well, Ronnie, awesome. you, you don't know this, right? But I'm from Arkansas as well. I was really? born in Russellville and nice. uh, grew, grew up around um, the Conway area, about 30 minutes north of that area. So, and uh, obviously a big Razorback fan. I, I watched you as you were coming up through your college years. And if you don't mind, we want to go ahead and ask you a little bit about, you know, your experience in uh, Fayetteville. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, All right. Well, that's interesting. So, that, that, you, that you grew up in in Russellville and Conway. I'm very familiar. Uh, you know, back in the day, that's that was there actually in our conference. We had to play Russellville, so pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, Stephen's actually the first person I've ever met from Arkansas. So you're 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 number two, I guess, kind of. So okay, nice. Well, Austin's from Indiana, so you know yep. he's uh, not too not too close, but not too far no. either. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, not too bad. I'm here my whole life. I just moved to right around Indy. I live about 20 minutes from. Uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse now, so that's it was pretty nice before the pandemic, but hasn't hasn't done much for me lately. Yeah, well, especially since that All Star game got taken away I know. from you guys, right? Yeah. I know it's still bothering me, man. Keep bringing it yeah. up. <laughs> well, well, Ronnie. So you were the class. You were from the O three class, right? And I did a little digging to see exactly where you were ranked at that time in the nation. You were the thirty ninth ranked prospect, which is you know obviously really high great honor. And um, you played under Coach Stan Heath. Now, a lot of people may not remember Stan Heath, but he kind of followed up, you know, big shoes to fill in Nolan Richardson. So I kind of wanted to ask you what the recruiting process was like, you know, from being around Arkansas. And you obviously got to talk to Nolan Richardson, I'm sure, at some points and met him. But um, what was that that like committing to Arkansas, knowing that they were just they just committed a a coaching change? Um, You know, Coach Richardson is a legendary Hall of Fame coach. Um, his staff is was phenomenal with Mike Anderson. Um, we actually have, you know, a personal relationship with those those guys. You know, I grew I grew up with them. They're, they're, their kids played basketball with them growing up, so uh, the relationship was very strong. Um, whenever Arkansas went a different direction with Stan Heath, um, you know, it was prim- it was like basically. 
know, starting over because, you know, I had a great relationship with the Razorback staff and knew them from top to bottom. And then there's a new guy that comes on that I have no idea who he is uh, or his staff. Um, but one thing that I can say is while I was looking at, you know, Kansas and Florida and Yukon and Ole Miss and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma um, uh, of teams that I was considering, I don't think any other school recruited me harder than when Stan Heath took over at Arkansas. I mean, if it was the all-star game, if it was AU games, high school games, whatnot, he was there, um, you know, every game we played to make me feel like I was a priority. Um, and not saying that those other teams did not, because a lot of those teams did uh, attend a lot of my AU games. Um, but as far as calling and, and being present, I don't think anybody did it better than Stan Heath. And, you know, I wanted to be something uh, to turn the program around. You know, when, when, when they let Nolan Richardson go, um, you know, Arkansas was kind of on the down, downward spiral. And so I wanted to, when I signed with Arkansas, you know, I wanted to give the fans and people from the state of Arkansas something to be proud about, something they could stick their chest out and, and brag about. And, um, you know, over the course of those three years that I played at Arkansas, I, I tried to do that. Yeah, and it felt like you did a tremendous job. I mean, looking at your career, I remember watching it. You know, I, I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm I'm 30, and our birthdays are actually really close from what I see on Basketball Reference. You know, mine's the 29th of March, so not too far after you. But, um, you know, I remember in high school watching you play, and each year you were just better and better. You know, obviously – I would I would feel pretty confident in saying that defense is what you kind of hung your hat on when I watched you, you know, throughout those years. But each year your offense got better and better. So under coach Stan Heath and playing with some other really great talent, you know, what was your what was training like? What was you came in with the skill set? How did you build on that, you know, throughout your time? Well, um, you know, having a dad that played professional basketball, just hear, be able to lean on him and, and, and ask for advice on different things, on how how to get better or how to uh, do certain situations. Um, you know, my freshman year, you know, I, I, I stepped on canvas at 6'7", 180, 185 pounds. And, you know, one of the main things I told our strength conditioning coach, Kelly Lambert, was, man, I've got to get stronger. You know, in, in high school, I, I was in the weight room, but I was more working on my, my game in the gym. Um, and so I got with Coach Kelly Lambert and, you know, I, I when the basketball season started, I was 205. Um, mm -hmm. And that might not sound like a, a huge jump, but it really was. And, and, you know, my freshman year, even then, I knew, hey, for me to be very productive at a high level in the SEC, I've got to continue to work on my body, um, work on my skill set. So I was, I was a gym rat. I stayed in the gym. You know, I already have a funny looking shot. So I had to work on my jump shot, my free throws. Um, watching film to work on my basketball IQ and then staying in the weight room um, and getting stronger and bigger and faster, and more athletic. And each and every year uh, I got better at something and I developed at something and, you know, come my junior year, I felt like I was ready to, to take the next leap and the next jump and, you know, decided to leave to go to the NBA. Yeah. And, and you certainly did well there. I mentioned earlier that you were the 14th pick in the draft. I remember watching that draft and just being so excited to see where you went, but you mentioned your dad. So I want to talk a little bit about that because in Arkansas, the triplets are a big thing, you know, that obviously nationwide they had, they had a strong following, but in Arkansas, like there was nothing like that. You know, my dad being a, a Razorback fan as well, he, he, he wanted to press upon me, like, be sure you ask Ronnie about the triplets because that was something that, that he was a big fan of. So, you know, obviously your dad, Ron Brew, was a part of that. He had teammates, you know, Marvin Delph, and obviously the great Sidney Moncrief was a part of that team as well. You said you leaned on your dad. Did Sidney or Marvin, do you, did you get to know them at all growing up? Or Absolutely. Um, and, and it's crazy because, you know, growing up, there wasn't a lot of there, – there was no social media. And so, you know, I knew them as like my uncles, like they were like just my uncles. And um, I was curious, like, oh, why do they call y'all the triplets? Or why do they always say that <laughs> y'all not brothers, y'all not related or anything like that? Y'all just friends. And to actually like go to Barnhill and go to Bud Walton and, and see um, memorabilia and see different videos of them. Um, and then watching on NBA TV or, or, or um, Hardwood Classics when they play some of the older college games they, a lot of times they played the final four game um against notre dame uh mm -hmm. my dad was last second shot um so you know 
those guys, and to me, they've, I mean, my dad's always just been dad. And, Mm -hmm. you know, not, you know, all American in basketball and the NBA guy. It was just been dad. And and that's the same thing with um, Marvin Delph and City Moncrief. Those guys have been lifelong best friends to my dad. And to me, they've just been, you know, uh, uncles to me. And so uh, I have reached out to those guys uh, and, and, you know, they used to come back to my dad's basketball camp every year. Um, and I, I would pick their brains. I would want to be like a sponge and soak up everything um, that they um, ha- had to offer. And, you know, I, I'm a student of the game. And so my brain's always working to try to get better and, and how I can get better. And, st- and, and still, even as a coach, I reach out to my dad and I talk to those guys uh, about things that they did in their career to make them successful and how I can um, put that into things that we do every day here uh, at, at Fayetteville High School and then with my AU program. Nice. Uh, I'm sure I already know the answer, but having that kind of just that comfort comfortability level with those guys that were in the NBA, do you feel mm-hmm. like that really helped you uh, coming into the league? Like were, were you ever really like in awe of anybody or was it just like another game? Um. I, I don't think I was ever in awe. It was more, I mean, they, they taught me more of a respect aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially like talking to uh, City Moncrief, you know, he never feared a, a, a basketball, another basketball player. You know? mm-hmm. um, but he had the most utmost respect for each and every opponent that he faced. He never took anybody lightly. He never underestimated them and never um, took for granted their skill set because if you think about it, if you if you make it to college, you got to be all state or all conference at, mm-hmm. at, at basketball. I mean, they don't let just any basketball players go to college. Um, you had to be the best player at your school, one of the best in your state, uh, and that's how you get on that platform. You make it to the NBA, you're in a, an elite group, an elite athlete, and you're a, like a, a, the one percent people um, of a certain skill set. And so for me, I was never in awe. It was just more of a respect aspect. He always said that he respected Michael Jordan so much, but he still had to lace his shoes up, put on his jersey because he had to go out there and compete against him night in, night out. And Mm -hmm. for me, that stuck with me because, you know, my first game in the NBA was against the Houston Rockets. Mm -hmm. I can recall, you know, as a kid meeting Tracy McGrady um, Mm -hmm. and Mike Miller and Billy Donovan at the Walt Disney Worldwide Sports Complex in Orlando. And getting their autograph, taking a picture, and being in awe. To then fast forward multiple years, that that's who I'm gonna have to guard and lace my shoes up, and put on my jerseys the same way, and go out there and compete at a high level. So um, it was more respect, but I think it really got me ready um, for you know that big stage. Absolutely, awesome. and again, we're, we'll talk more about the the NBA side. I just got a couple more questions as far as who you played with at Arkansas. I feel like. Okay. Arkansas is not your your Dukes, your North Carolinas and stuff like that. But, you know, for for us, we don't have a pro team in Arkansas. So the Razorbacks are it, mm-hmm. you know. So guys like Darian Towns and Stephen Hill love those guys whenever, you know, watching you play alongside them. And then also we had some of our football players play with you and Matt Jones and also uh-huh. um, Marcus Monk as well. Mm-hmm. What was the – kind of the difference between the football players and the basketball players in, in your experience with them? Did it feel like um, Matt and Marcus were just out there trying to have fun or did were they like competitors still, even though yeah. it was a different area? Well, you know, a lot of, the, you know, the fans that really don't know, know Matt Jones and Marcus Monk know that they were ph- phenomenal basketball players. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcus Monk and I played on the same AU team. And to this day, I actually coach under uh, the program that he started with the Arkansas Woods. Um, but you know, both those guys were really, 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 really good basketball players. Um, they also just happen to be really good football players. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, they, they had to take whatever path, um, they, they had to take. Um, but you know, on campus, I always, I would go, I mean, those are my, my buddies. We we're in the same, same dorms. I'd always say, Hey, do y'all ever think and consider about playing basketball? Like, oh man, bro. Not enough time of the day. Our football schedule is so strenuous. You know, playing the SEC against, you know, back then, you know, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama were so good and so competitive that it was a uphill battle, you know, just to be competitive. And, you know, they did a phenomenal job. Um, but when they came over, when I convinced them to come over to basketball, 
it was like a, a, a weight was lifted off my shoulders just because it gave me some additional help, you know. Um, That's Florida, my dad there just saying go Hogs. Florida, um, you know, had back-to-back national championships. Kentucky was a blue, blue blood. Um, uh, LSU made it to the Final Four. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, you can go down the list, Missouri, of how great um, college basketball was in the SEC back when I played. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when they came on the team, uh, it wasn't, oh, I'm just doing it because I want to have fun. It was more, you know, a sense of fulfillment or, or, or a, a newfound love was brought back to them because, yes, they love football. Yes, the grind was awesome. You know, they weren't going to get worked by anybody and they wanted to be special in football. But also – they um, wanted to play basketball and they, they had the love for the game and they wanted to be competitive. They wanted to leave it on the floor. And that's what I respected that they just weren't coming in just to, you know, mess around. They were coming on the team to make a difference and, and, and turn the program around as well. That's awesome. awesome. I, didn't awesome. Know, I didn't even know that Matt Jones played basketball. So. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We have one of the, one of the best plays we've had, um, you know, so, you know, we get on a breakaway dunk, and mm-hmm. I hear him trailing me. And I kind of give him a no-look pass coming down mm-hmm. the lane, and he takes off from midway through the lane and just dunks it as hard as he possibly can and swings on the rim, and, mm-hmm. and the blood wall and goes crazy. And Who wouldn't you know, have fun doing that? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it, it, it brought a lot of excitement and, and uh, kind of lit a flame under the fans again that, that, that were lacking the previous years. Yeah, and plus, I mean, Marcus, who he was, he was just the ultimate lob threat in in, in football. So uh, it definitely translated pretty well to the to you know alley oops and stuff like that on the court. But what about um, Darian Towns and Stephen Hill? These were guys that were pretty integral parts of the offense, and Stephen Hill defensively too. Yeah, you know, they made. What they was made your my, experience like with them? They made my job a whole lot easier, and and it made I think them allowed me to take playing defense more seriously because, you know, I was more, man, I didn't want my man to score. I didn't want my man to score. I didn't want my man to score. So I'm going to have to play it safe because I don't want to get beat. Um, don't want my man getting to the basket. I don't want him scoring, stuff like that. Well, those guys gave me an extra security blanket because I knew uh, Stephen Hill. I knew Darian Towns. You know, they would tell me, hey, 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 bro. You could be a little bit aggressive. You could play the passing lane. You could you could get in that guy's shorts and, and aggravate him a little bit because, you know, you know, if you do get beat to the basket, you know, we got your back, brother. And you know, they were going to um, defend and control the paint. And both those guys were in the top ten in uh, block shots per game, and it made my job a lot easier because. I was able to play the passing lanes a little bit more aggressive, which led to steals and easy baskets, a lot of fast break transition points. Um, And it was all because of them because they had uh, faith in me to be able to do that. And they knew that it wasn't going to be too often that I got beat to the basket where they were going to have to clean up and block the shots. Um, So uh, we both, I think, helped each other out because when when I did get beat, they were able to block shots. And I try to reward them as much as possible by giving them lobs and, you know, post-entry feeds because – it was, you know, kind of a situation. I used to say, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You know, you you block a shot, my man doesn't score. I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm gonna repay you by giving you a lob or a post entry feed. So, mm-hmm. love playing with those guys. Um, you know, Charles Thomas was another guy inside mm-hmm. the paint that was that, that controlled the paint a lot. Rashard Sullivan, Vincent Hunter. Um, you know, our, our guards were really good with Eric Ferguson and and Dante Jefferson, Jonathan Modica. And, uh, you know, Monica was an all SEC, you know, performer. And, um, you know, both the, all those guys I just named were pleasures to be around on the team. Um, you know, our bond was crazy. Uh, I mean, from, the, you know, guys that didn't play as much like Sammy Muncy and Preston Cranford uh, to, you know, young guys, Sean McCurdy and Cyrus McGowan. Um, we all felt like a huge family and, and you know, love playing with each other, love playing on the same team. And I think that's why we were able to to make that jump a lot quicker because um, our, our team chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. And 
it felt like a family watching it. You know, I fell in love with Arkansas Razorback basketball watching you guys play. Y'all were just a fun team to watch overall. And you mentioned how all your teammates in that family environment that ultimately ended up with a trip to the, you know, the dance, right? The, the NCAA tournament. What uh-huh. was that experience like, right? Because that's not something since yeah. really Nolan Richardson that we really seen a lot, you know, at the, at the University of Arkansas. Yeah, like I said, you know, one of the things that I wanted to, to, to do when I decided to sign at Arkansas was, you know, turn the program back around. You know, it was going down a path that, you know, didn't give the fans and people from the state of Arkansas something to cheer about. And so what I wanted to do each and every year that I was there was was slowly but surely take the right steps to, to get to back to, to where Nolan originally had it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my last year it ended up, First, I thought our, my my sophomore year, I think we should have got a bid, but you know, yeah. came forward and they, they gave us an NIT bid, and you know, Coach Heath was you know not too happy because he thought that we should have got a got a bid to the NCA, so we ended up not going at all. And then my ju- junior year, getting a bid, and you know, didn't last long. Um, played against a really good Bucknell team, but yeah. you know, I think that started something um, that was very special at Arkansas is, you know, it, it, it's a bigger deal not making the tournament than, you know, to making it. So we wanted to, to set the tone where each and every year have the opportunity to try to make it back to the NCAA tournament. Well, I, I can say from someone that never really knew anything about Arkansas until, you know, I saw you guys in that game in the NCAA tournament, it definitely, you know, opened my eyes to, to their program for sure. Because, you know, I was a big college basketball fan my whole life growing up. And to me, it always kind of felt like most of the teams in the SEC were like just football schools. That's how, that's how everybody treats them up here. So I know that's not really the case, but that was, that was, that's honestly like the first memory I ever have of even really of Arkansas sports in general in my life was, that was that season. So it's pretty interesting. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a great year and the whole state of Arkansas was floored, floored to make it that season. But Ronnie, like like you said, that junior year, you felt like you were ready for that next step, that next leap. You're drafted by one of the, the best coaches in NBA history in the Utah Jazz. I'm curious to see what it's like going from, you know, a developing Arkansas school. You worked hard. You're rewarded by it your last season. You're drafted. And then you're playing underneath Jerry Sloan. What's what's that experience like as, as a rookie? Yeah. <laughs> um- as a rookie, it was a lot of ups and downs. You know, Coach Sloan, uh, rest in peace. But he yes. was, you know, he was bred in the in the in the days where you know, as a freshman, you weren't allowed to play college basketball. You had to sit out and and, and pay your dues. Um, and in the NBA, as a young guy, you had to, you know, learn the ropes and play behind the the, the seasoned vets. Um, and and that was his mentality: was Hey, man, you guys are young. You've got to wait, develop get better, learn the game, learn what it actually means to work hard at, at your craft and developing it better. To me, it was the best thing to be able to go to because he showed me what it was like to be a true professional uh, and, and how to prepare for a game and how to to scout and, and and you know, dot all your I's and cross your T's as far as, you know, knowing what the other team knows. And he, he would always say, guys, you know, I could prepare y'all. We can go over their plays. Um, but if we don't take their stuff away and if we don't um, out execute another team offensively, then all that information is for anything and for nothing. And so, um, you know, taught me a lot. You know, we had a lot of success. My, my rookie year, we made it to the conference finals, lost to the Spurs, who went on to win the, the championship that year. Um, and so in my mindset, that was just the norm. You know, going to the West, the conference finals, winning your division, uh, not knowing how hard it is to have success in the NBA, to be successful, to win your division, to go to win a, uh, a playoff series in general. Um, so, you know, it, it, it allowed me to 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 get a taste of what it was like to have success, um, but also to know that you were just scratching the surface because until you win the championship, you know, you know, everybody is in second place and it's not guaranteed to win a playoff division uh, or, or playoff series or you win your your uh, division in, in the NBA. So it, it was a good, a nice pleasure playing for Coach Sloan. And, you know, he taught me a whole lot. Yeah. And then you mentioned that you made the conference final that season as a rookie. 
And then the following year, you were the full time starter like mm-hmm. in your second season, which was again awesome to watch as an Arkansas fan, seeing you succeed the way you did, and y'all made it to the conference semis. So still successful, you know. Again, you know, if you're not first, you're last, right? But Absolutely. ultimately, I would still count that as being successful. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see because you hear about it all the time with NBA players when they when they first come in and start cutting their teeth as to who took them under their wing. Who was mm-hmm. who was your vet when when you were in Utah? Um, you know, initially, just because we're both from Arkansas, you know, a lot of people don't even know. Like Derek Fisher was on on the roster. Mm-hmm. Derek Fisher took all the rookies under his wing, um, and no no better NBA vet. <laughs> then Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher bought us our first suits to wear to the games, uh, took us out to dinner multiple times, to the movies, and just told us, you know, to me, for me, I, I wanted to know the stories. Just tell me tell me what it was like to play with Kobe. Tell me what it was like to play with Shaq. Tell me what it was like to be coached by Phil Jackson. You know, you know what was it like to, to, to win all those rings? And and what was it like, like, being from Little Rock, like, but, like being – Playing in LA and then coming back, how much love did they show you? Or what did you do to stay in tune with 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 uh, the city and stuff like that? So my first vet was Derek Fisher took took over us, um, but our team was so close knit and we had such a great bond. Like you know, my locker room in the locker room, I sat right next to Memo Kerr, and mm. you know, Memo people don't know like when he came from Turkey to the United States, couldn't really speak English. And, uh, you know, obviously he was playing for the, the Detroit Pistons. And so Chauncey Billups and Lindsey Hunter and Corliss Williams, Corliss. And Tony Dice, Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, Rasheed Wallace. Mm-hmm. They taught him everything about the United States. And so I didn't put two and two together. When I met him, he was like, you know, talking with the accent and saying that he didn't know um, that much English, but he wanted to, he wanted, um, uh, there's a Turkish paper that they sold uh, by the Mormon temple and that he wanted a a Turkish paper and a Turkish delight um, and Turkish coffee. And if I could bring that around for shoot around. And so I was like, okay, so I'm running downtown and I don't know if y'all been to Utah, but the, the roads are really crazy. Um, like 4,500 South, 3,300 West. Like it, it's the number system is crazy. It all starts from um, the, the Mormon temple. It, the whole city is based off of, of that landmark. Okay. And so uh, they're also one way streets. And so if you pass something, you're going to have to go way down and circle around. So long story short, I was having a hard time finding where this, this place was that sold the Turkish paper and the coffee and all this like that. And, couldn't find it get back to get back to shoot around and he's acting like he's all upset and you know that a rookie let him down and mm. everybody's giving me a hard time like oh memo was gonna be mad like he has to have this so so he can perform well and you know shoot around goes it's over with he's acting like he's mad they used to do this little um trend um after every shoot around is they used to throw the throw the basketballs or kick the basketballs all over the stadium and the rookies had to go get them and put them up under a certain amount of time. And I'm talking about Memo punted this one. It was probably like the <laughs> second or third year um, at the Energy Solutions Arena. Man. And I'm like, man, dude's really, really mad. Like, like I don't know how I could what, – what I could do to make this up. <laughs> so we get the balls down there. I'm talking to uh, Paul Millsap and D. Brown, and I was like, what, like, guys, what do y'all think I should do? And they're like, man – I mean, hopefully this doesn't last too long throughout the season. I get back in the locker room. And I'm apologizing to him, and everybody is staring at me. And you know, D. Will just starts busting out laughing. I was like, Darren, like it's not that funny. He's like, Do you know he's just messing with you? Like, and I'm like, What? He's like, He's not going to break character. He's just messing with you. I look at him, and everybody just dies laughing. He's like, Man, dude, you do y'all do more than enough as rookies. Y'all are the hardest workers on the team. We love y'all. We love everything y'all do. And, you know, we were just giving y'all a hard time. So that's the kind of team chemistry and bond that we had that we were joking. And, and, but when it came down to to the games, we were very serious. That's pretty, that's pretty cool to see that even all the way into the NBA, it's not much different than it is sometimes all the way, but down in high school. Absolutely. 
you know, and still just having fun with your boys at the end of the day, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I I'm from a family that is a huge uh, huge Chicago Bulls fan, so yeah. uh, we definitely loved your time there in Chicago. Um, I have always kind of gravitated more towards the the defensive stopper type of players. I just I like that kind of basketball. Um, my dad, you know. I grew up on the Bulls with my dad, so that's that's most of my experience I have as a fan watching you play, you know, firsthand. Uh, what were those teams like? I mean, I know you got to play with Derrick Rose. It, it was of, had to be one of the most incredible. The Derrick Rose ever, at so. that time, right? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this when you when you say about guys giving each other a hard time. Um, my first day in Chicago. Coach Tibbs was like, hey, I want you y'all to get acclimated with the city because a lot of y'all are not from the city. Um, it's different. You know, you know, three guys, me, myself, Boozer, and Kyle Corver, we were coming from Utah. Um, you know, CJ Watson was coming from a different team. Keith Bogan's from a different team. Omira Seek from a different country. Um, Kurt Thomas from a different team. So we were all new to the team. And, you know, my first day, I, I, I get to meet Scottie Pippen, a huge fan, mm-hmm. you know, Hamburg, Arkansas, Central Arkansas grad. You see it, baby. You know, look, looked up to um, for many years, still do, uh, comes in and meets my, my family. Um, the second day I, I get there um, to go, we had um, voluntary workouts. So post players went early in the morning. Uh, guards came right after. So at the time I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, I was best friends with Booz, best friends with Kyle Corver. Um, I hadn't met Taj Gibson yet. I hadn't met uh, Omira Seek yet. I hadn't met um, Joakim Noah yet, Kurt Thomas, uh, those guys. And so I, I come in the locker room and Joakim Noah's got, um, uh, I'm assuming it was Joakim on my chair in my locker had a uh, national championship shirt. Um <laughs> So I was like, oh, okay, got a Florida national champion shirt in my locker. That's kind of corny, but okay, whatever. Move the shirt. <laughs> I throw it in Joe Keem's locker. I'm assuming it came from him because there's no other guys on the team um, mm-hmm. from Florida. It's a T-shirt. It's a back-to-back national championship shirt um, <laughs> with an actual stuffed um, uh, gate, like it was a gator head. And so um, I was like, man, okay, that's enough. At the time, uh, Mike Anderson was the coach and TJ Cleveland. Again, I have a personal relationship with those guys. I call and I was like, hey, can you send me everything that you have? Arkansas Razorback. It could be uh, a pom-pom. It could be a Razorback head. It could be a foam finger. It could be a T-shirt, warm-ups. I don't care. Whatever y'all have, please send it to me. So they overnight it. I get it. Comes to the arena. Uh, uh, Liggs is our equipment manager. We lay the stuff out. Um, and that the third day is, or the fourth day, we actually get to meet each other and we come through the door. You know, I'm expecting to be all mad. I kind of was like, I chip on my shoulder, like, he's like, man, I, I'm so glad you have a sense of humor and, and play it into the games. He was like, I, I, I can already tell you're going to be a phenomenal teammate. I'm going to love playing with you. Uh, he was like, it was, it's all love. And from that point on, you know, the, the, our team chemistry in Chicago was great. You know, obviously D Rose had a phenomenal season where he won the MVP. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you look at that roster, like everybody else played their role to a team. Oh, yeah. We were playing very good. Uh, we knew that D Rose was the man. So we were getting him the ball um, in, in crunch time. He was making phenomenal plays night in, night out. Um, and, you know, we just didn't want to let him down. He, he, he played with so much passion and, um, he wanted to win so much, not for himself, but for the city and for the fans. And he expressed that every night. Guys, we're trying to do it for the city. I'm trying to do it for the city. I'm not from Chicago, but the passion that he had for Chicago and the Bulls made you feel like you were from Chicago and you wanted to put on for the city just because how much he wanted it. So it made that experience so great and so phenomenal. And, you know, unfortunately, we came a little bit short. Um, and then he got hurt our, the second year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really thought both the years that we had a chance to, to go far and try to win an NBA championship. 
Yeah, definitely. That's still to this day one of, if not my my favorite Bulls team of of all time. I mean, I I grew up a little bit watching Jordan. I'm the same age as, as Steven, so I, I have some memories. But that was like my Bulls team for sure. Yeah. You guys were they were so much fun. I just remember going and sitting down and eating dinner and with my buddies and watching you guys play. And none of them were Bulls fans, and it was like. I got to talk so much smack to them that year. It was great. <laughs> yeah. And it was just fun to watch. It was, all, it was a really, really special season. Well, and Ronnie, I want to ask you um, about Coach Tibbs because there was obviously a little bit of time, you know, af- afterwards where he didn't coach for a little bit. Now he's mm-hmm. up in New York now and having pretty good success with the Knicks team that not many people had expectations for. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, are you surprised by the turnaround of New York? And then two, what what was your personal experience playing under Tibbs? Is he as is he as kind of domineering as pe- the media kind of makes him out to be? Tibbs is one of the best coaches I've played for, and the reason I say that is because he's like a, a cut from the same cloth as Coach Sloan. And if you feel like that, you know he was he was getting the short end of the stick because people were saying that he was making guys practice too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from a, 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 I'm a son of a former NBA player that played back in the day. That's all I know is the success you have is from what you earn and, and playing hard. You you earned mm-hmm. it, and so you know I feel like he knew what group of guys to have around and on the team because he liked hard workers and guys that grinded, and uh, that's the, the the type of players that that he needs to be successful. Um, and I, I I knew that anywhere he went, went anywhere he went he would be successful if they allowed him um, accessibility to be able to bring in the style of players that he likes and that work in this system. Uh, it's not a surprise that they're going to do that they're doing well in New York. Um, just, is it going to take time? Absolutely. Any good thing takes time to mature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the culture uh, that he's instilling in the, the young I mean they're really really young. But the, mm-hmm. the culture that he's instilling in those guys of what it means to practice, what it means to play hard, um, the importance of each and every possession, uh, execution on the offensive and defensive end, um, and how we, we used to do this thing about, like, we used to break the season in, in, in quarters, eight quarters. And um, we would always say, hey, you know, the first quarter, 10 games. If you can go seven or eight out of 10, that means your record's eight and two, Multiple times, or, or or win at least seven games, you're gonna have a, a, a you're gonna have a winning record, mm-hmm. and you're gonna be up there in your division, and you're gonna put yourself in position to be sitting nice when it comes to playoffs. And um, at the Bulls, it worked. It, I mean, it worked. And you know, I I think over time we kind of got frustrated a little bit because we were taking his advice doing the quarter stuff. And it'd be times where, you know, eight out of 10, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. And, you know, when we're seven out of 10 or eight out of 10, those two, those two games that we did lose, you would have thought that, the, the, you know, the end of the world was coming because he was like, Hey, I understand that y'all were eight out of 10, the last 10 games, but those are two games that might come back to bite us in the butter. And, you know, the, those games are important too. And so, uh, it, it, it reiterated that each and every possession is is important and it's the, the determining factor of winning and losing. And it just changed my mindset. And I think it, it allows the success of his teams and wherever he goes because it, it changes your mindset and allows and it forces you to be successful. Yeah, I, I would say thinking back on mo- the majority of the players that you know he had in his time with the Bulls, I can't think of a whole lot of guys that would complain too much about having to play hard. You guys yeah. all seemed like those, you know, that was your kind of your style for sure. So that wouldn't that was something that I always kind of felt like I you know understood too. Was, I played a little bit in school. I wasn't very athletic or, or or fast or anything, so I always you know hung my hat on defense and rebounding and things like that. So I always kind of thought of myself as you know if I was if there was a coach that would be the right coach for me it would be a guy like that so yeah I definitely get that for sure he does come off as someone that is kind of gruff and in your face but but I feel like too a lot of times you can see that his his personality comes through too so I I kind of expected that answer that you gave so that was interesting 
All right. And Ronnie, the, the last team that I want to ask you about, because we we're a part of off the ball network and there's a lot of Knicks fans uh-huh. uh, on that team. And uh, we, we got one specific question about your playing time in New York. You know, what was it like playing alongside an offensive talent like Carmelo Anthony? Man, that to me was one of the most unique teams I've ever played on. Um, I don't think that team gets as enough credit as it deserves. Um, I mean, you had Jason Kidd, Raymond yeah. Felton, um, Rasheed Damn. Wallace, Kurt Thomas, James Flight White, uh, Pablo Prigioni, Steve Novak, J.R. Smith, Shumpert, Amari Stardomar, Mello, um, you know, Camby. Camby. Um, so deep. <laughs> uh, um, Chris Copeland. Uh, I mean, the list goes on of different guys that we had on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we found the way to win. I mean, we 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 had things rolling, playing well together. Um, you know, at one point we were first in the East, and you know we just bought in to 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 coach um, Coach Woodson, Woodson really had us playing very very well, uh, had us believing in ourselves. And if you Google it, you know that that's the oldest team put together in NBA history. We had a whole wow. bunch of forty year old teams on that team. Yep. Um, and the the job that Carmelo did for us, um, putting us on, you know, putting the team on his shoulders, and the thing that that you know, he was defending. Then he was defending, and people were all, always gave him a hard time. Oh, he didn't play any defense. He didn't play. Melo was defending, and one thing that I could say that he did, which a lot of people don't do that, he took the blame on every situation. Every single time, you know, Melo would have 30, we'd lose. He'd say, oh, it was my fault. Should have had 34, should have had 40. And, or I could have done this better. I could have done this better. Me, me, me. I, I should have done this. And I'm, I would look at him and be like, dude, dude you had 40. Like, I missed three <laughs> wide open threes. Like, like I, I could have made those. Or I could have shot better at the free throw line. Or I could have defended a little better. Like, but he always took the blame because he was our leader Um, and – he wanted to win so bad for, for his city, too. You know, I know he was raised in West Baltimore, too. But, you know, he claims New York City. He wanted to win so bad for the city of New York. And, you know, when you got guys that are from the area that they get to play professional basketball, that's like a dream come true. Like, like for me, it was a dream come true playing in front of my friends and my family and my teachers and my mentors and people I grew up with playing at the University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I didn't even scratch the surface of being able to go play for a professional team that you grew up watching. That's like you being from New York and going to go play for the, the Yankees mm-hmm. or being from Chicago playing on the Bulls or, or from Boston and playing on the Celtics or the, or the Red Sox. Like, you know, teams that have success and you're a part of that success. And so um, for him to, to have the success he had while in New York, you know, I thought it was phenomenal. I was, it was really a great opportunity to be able to play for, the, for that organization yeah absolutely and again like i'm in the nba i don't necessarily have a team ronnie i well first off with not having a pro team in arkansas were you a fan of any team growing up like how did you so how did you watch the nba okay so so as you know you know we growing up the mavericks weren't that good at basketball um <laughs> there wasn't a team in oklahoma city at the time nope Memphis Grizzlies were not that great because they were an expansion team that came from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So it's like you really don't cheer for those teams because they were like, you know, uh, bottom feeders. And um, I remember vividly, like, when I was younger, I had a TV in my room and we only had a couple channels and I was able to watch WGN. And that was like towards the end of Jordan's career. I mean, they, they won, but um, you know, I was a huge Bulls fan because of, you know, my dad used to always get on to me because he'd be like, I'd, I'd watch every game. Every game I watched the Bulls because a double WGN showed on local um, TV here in Fayetteville. And he'd, he'd catch me in there. He'd, he'd come in there and tell me about the game and what I'm watching and break it down and talk about the triangle offense and Phil Jackson and uh, Tex Winters and all these other guys. Um that were a part of the organization to let, give me a better understanding of what was going on. Um, and then he would ask me, Ronnie, who do you think the best player is? And I'd be like, 
a no-brainer. It's Scottie Pippen. My dad was like, "Well, tell me, tell me why you think Scottie Pippen is the best best player on that team." And I go, "Well, um, at the beginning when they do the intro and they turn the lights down and all stuff like that, and the announcer comes on, I was like, they they call off the people and um, they say from Hamburg, Arkansas, by way of Central Arkansas." Six foot seven, Scotty Pippen. I was like, well, that's why, because he's from Arkansas. He's by far the best player, and he's on the best team, and, and he's the best player. So that's why he's the best, in my opinion. And my dad was like, dude, no, no, no. no. <laughs> that guy, number 23, Michael Jordan, he's the best player. He's the GOAT. He he He's the guy that makes that team go. Um, Pippen is a phenomenal two guy. Um, but he's not the, the one guy. It's, it's Jordan, and so I was. It took me the longest to to, to transition to Jordan being the guy. But mm-hmm. uh, that was probably my favorite team growing up, just because I got that TV station in, in my room that I got to watch every night. That's pretty cool. WGN came all the way to my parents' house in Fort Wayne, so I grew up watching that. Watching the Cubs a lot on that station, yep. Yep. and my grandparents are from Chicago. And my my great grandma was the biggest Scottie Pippen fan you'll ever meet. So yep. she was all about Scottie, and she never even talked about Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we, we have to get going here, pretty quick. We appreciate your time. I was wondering, wondering who would you say is the hardest guy you ever had to guard in the NBA? Ooh, that's a good one. Hardest guy that I had to guard in the NBA. I could tell you. You can give more than one answer. That's fine. I can tell you why and who. So I can start off being, you know, Dwayne Wade being one of the hardest Mm. just because to me he was, you know, one of the best shooting guards to play the game. Mm -hmm. Um, You knew that he wasn't going to take a a ton of threes, but his mid-range game was crazy good. He he was so athletic. He'd get to the basket. um, And he was a very, very hard, you know, assignment to guard night in, night out. it also sucked that, you know, me and him had the same um, agent. So we had to eat dinner together or talk <laughs> after the games. And I was like, dude, I don't want to go. He just killed it for 30 points. Um, right. But he was, you know, he was a tough assignment. Uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, rest mm-hmm. in peace. Uh, his footwork was impeccable. Like, you know, I, I, I used to watch film and be like, man, I know I'm playing great defense on him. I'm cutting off his go-to move. I'm cutting off his counter. I'm cutting off his his – fakes i'm not going for his pump fakes i'm not getting in the air and he would still make a fadeaway a, a fadeaway jump shot um mm-hmm. so he was great i mean I, he scored 81 points in, in a game before so mm-hmm. uh you knew night in night out that he was capable of doing those great things so um your your attention to detail your focus was a little higher every time i played kobe because i, I knew what he was capable of um you know, Vince Carter was a very tough guard because uh, his athleticism and his skill set. Trace McGrady was a tough guard because his skill set and his athleticism. Um, uh, Kevin Durant, <laughs> you know, people <laughs> really don't understand how how skillful this guy is. Mm-hmm. Seven feet tall, and it's, you know he's shooting over everybody. Long arms, shoots you know fifty percent from the field, forty percent from the three point line, and ninety percent from the free throw line. So. He's going to shoot you 50% if, if you know, mid-range game. He's going to mm-hmm. shoot higher than 40% from threes. And if you foul him, he's not missing his free throws. So that was always a tough guard. LeBron James, LeBron, his size and his skill set is there might not be another basketball player with that same attributes, you know, mm-hmm. and to do it with this longevity, um, you know, he can take plays for other people. Um, and he makes his teammates better. You know, a lot of people – that are hard to guard don't make their teammates better. And Le- LeBron is a guy that, you know, makes plays for other guys and, and gets them involved. Um, I know people are going to be like, oh, I mean, you're leaving people out. But, I mean, I, you can go on the list of guys like Carmelo right. Anthony. Um, you can say uh, Michael Red. You could say Gilbert Arenas. You could say – Michael Red. Um, I mean, Kevin Martin was kicking around on, that time. You know, yeah. list goes on about the really good guys. Steven Jackson a guy that's underrated as far yes. as – his, his, his style of play is two ways. He was a big guard, you know, posting, shooting threes, you know, facilitating for others. You know, that, that, that was one of the hardest guards. Um, Brandon Roy. And Brandon Roy, we came in the same class, and I told people from the jump, man, there's one guy that's different in our class, and they made a mistake drafting him so late. And they were like, you know, so many people we knew we're all on the same page. You know, you can ask LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, Rondo, um, Bargnani, 
you know, Hilton Armstrong, Cedric Simmons, JJ Ray. You can ask all those guys out of y'all's class. Who do y'all think is the like who's too special? It was everybody would say Brandon Roy. It wasn't a fluke that he was rookie of the year. It wasn't a fluke that he was all-star. He wasn't, you know, unfortunately injuries, but he was a yeah. problem, a problem to guard, and he was a great basketball player and a great person. Yeah, I was telling Stephen, I think either it was the last show we were on or, or afterwards, that I was at uh, a high school game here in Indianapolis, and it was uh, Eric Gordon's team was playing against Greg Oden and Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. And my two takeaways from that game, besides that, you know, everybody knew what Odin was at that time was that Conley might've been the better of the two and that Eric Gordon was going to be like the next superstar in the NBA for years to come. Like he mm-hmm. had, he did some things in that game that I've never seen anybody do in like in, in person like that. And it was just, it was incredible. So I definitely know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys were, those guys were something to watch for sure. Well, Ronnie, we just want to thank you so much for the time that you've given us today. It was a real honor and privilege. Mm-hmm. One, as a people who cover the NBA, and then two, for me personally, as a Razorback fan and one who watched your whole NBA career, I just thank you so much for uh, you know agreeing to come on the show today. And a lot of people have been interacting and saying that they loved your game, so you had an impact on a lot of people, man. So it means a lot for you to come on. Um, before we let you go, one, do you want to let the people know where they can find you on social media? And then two, what are what are you up to at, after your NBA career now? Um, so you can just find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ronnie Bro Jr. Um, that's just my handle. And right now, after basketball, um, you kind of see I'm in, I'm in our little coach's office. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We uh, uh, I coach uh, at Fayetteville High School. Um, I'm the head sophomore coach assistant JV and varsity coach. Um, uh, I teach oral communication and uh, I actually coach a AU basketball team, the the Woods Elite on the Nike UIBL circuit, mm-hmm. 16 and under. Uh, and I also do the recruiting uh, for all ages, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 and 17 year olds in those divisions. So uh, that keeps me pretty busy. Uh, you know, got some different business endeavors down here in Fayetteville and that keeps me as busy as possible. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, trying to stay safe and healthy, and um, you know, be a, be be a mentor to all my student athletes um, on and off the court. Well, yeah. I, I know how stressful it can be to coach without a, the you know the problems that a pandemic bring. I've I've coached here and there a little bit with my dad too, so I definitely you know wouldn't wouldn't scoff at doing that now in these conditions. So good yeah. luck to you, man. Good Thank luck. You. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and Ronnie, again, just thank you so much for your time. We just want to let everybody know that's listening to us um, right now on the stream, or if you're listening to us on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel, um, you've you've got to listen a little bit about Ronnie Brewer. He's a, a true basketball great. He, he's worked with a lot of great people, and it sounds like he's just a lifer. He's just going to keep being around basketball until Absolutely. until Lord won't let him anymore. But uh, Ronnie, again, just thank you so much. You know, you're a real one. You're a gem, man. Appreciate you. You just humble as all get out, man. And it it was a real honor and a privilege to get to talk to you today. Thank you, man. I really appreciate y'all having me on your show today. Yes, sir. All right. Well, for every for sure. All right. Well, for the folks here on the Dash Radio channel and the Nothing But Net channel, um, for Off the Ball Network and for the Breaking the Game show, Austin and myself, our special guest, Ronnie Brewer. Thank you guys so much for coming in and listening to us, listening to us today. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. Peace.